guys, today I'm here with author and identitarian activist Martin Sellner. He is the co-leader of the Austrian chapter of Generation Identity, as well as one of the members of the recently finished Defend Europe mission. Thank you so much for joining me, Martin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So I know this is a very long-awaited interview, but we're going to take things a little bit slow because there's so much that's happened. So just for those who have never heard about the Defend Europe mission before, can you give a brief overview of the objectives of the mission? Basically, it was, I think, the biggest, not only identitarian, but patriotic action and mission during the last decades. And what we wanted to do is we want to stop the NGO madness in front of the Libyan coast. So we wanted to um, organize an identitarian patriotic SAR operation to go there, expose them, and hinder them in their human trafficking activities. And for those who aren't aware, can you also, we're going to get into the mission, but before then, can you give an overview of some of the things that happened? Like it was supposed to be more about publicity. Uh, you went there and, and interviewed with a lot of different media outlets to get the word out about what you guys were trying to accomplish. But obviously all these things went, went wrong, there were all these hindrances. So can you kind of just give a brief overview of, of all that occurred before you actually got on the Sea Star, which for those who don't know is the ship that they charted during the mission? Yeah, it was basically a whole action we started in Catania when we were blocking, um, yeah, um, Lauren, Lauren was also in the boat, but we were blocking the Aquarius with a small rubber boat. Yeah. And then we okay, we need to, um, we need to make it a bit bigger. And we got many donations, and we decided to make this um, to charter the ship from Djibouti, and um, and then we thought we could wait there in Catania, start a mission on the 17th of July, and then just go there smooth for for 10, 14 days, and um, everything got completely different. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we really didn't expect this amount of repression, of backlash by uh, this um, this block of mainstream media, of the propaganda machinery. Uh, money, the, the, the Open Society Foundation of George Soros and all the governments teamed up basically to hinder and prevent the ship from coming to um, to Europe, from us getting on board and then from fulfilling and beginning our mission. So from the beginning, it was a fight to the to the knife um, <laughs> yeah. to, between us and those globalists. And you were also, uh, you saw how, how it was. Yeah? Yes, I, I actually, we arrived on the 17th. So the boat, the ship was delayed a few days. So that's why we all arrived, but initially it was supposed to start there. And when did the mission officially kick off? It was the 27th or 29th, maybe, of July? Yes. Um, yes, it was when we when we got on board in, um, finally in Cyprus. But basically, uh, maybe, maybe also for the viewers, there were three big stories, three big uh, fake news stories that they, that they in a way, uh, created to uh, distort the mission, also to, to isolate us from our supporters and to, to stop it. And the first started in Suez when they claimed that the ship was basically transporting weapons and was a, um, a, a warship with Ukrainian mercenaries <laughs> on yeah, board. I remember. And, yeah, and this triggered a, a, a police raid by the Egyptian police who also basically tortured their crew there, smashed everything, and then um, um, took the money, took everything they had, and uh, the ship could, could first of all not get to the Suez Canal. Then we somehow managed to get through. It is already created a few days of delay. And then we decided to leave um, Catania uh, in a very spontaneous action because uh, the, it was getting too hot there. Secret police was following us around everywhere and we decided to get on board secretly in Cyprus. And, um, and there was there they, they tried to create this, this second fake news narrative about human traffickers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I mean, they even had Antifa were flying out to Catania, and then mainstream media journalists were flying out to Catania. Everyone was going there. 
So we secretly went to Cyprus and it was funny because everyone still thought we were there and was like asking for interviews and all sorts of things. It, it was pretty funny. But okay, so from there then, how did you guys, because I left the day before that you actually successfully boarded the Sea Star and kicked off the mission. So so how did, what did that day look like? How did you guys eventually get on the ship? My boss, basically the only the only chance to really get on the ship was to be really fast and really mm -hmm. secretive. So um, as you know before, there was this second big fake news story about the ship being a human trafficker ship, yeah. bringing illegal Tamilian migrants to, to, to Europe, completely crazy. What happened in fact was that the, the training crew of Sri Lanka, they should have uh, disembarked already in Egypt. They couldn't because the ship wasn't allowed to enter the port. And then they wanted to disembark in, in, in Cyprus, want to fly back to, to Egypt, in Sri Lanka, and on the airport. They were approached by NGOs and they convinced some of them um, that to, to apply for asylum in North Cyprus. Yeah. A real state, guys. <laughs> <laughs> completely crazy, basically they destroyed the life of these five uh, five young Sri Lankans. They mm -hmm. got into prison there, now they got deported to Sri Lanka. And then, um, of course, we didn't want it to go back to North Cyprus, the Turkish uh, territory, because we didn't want to end up in a Turkish prison cell. So our mm -hmm. chance abroad was in so-called OPL transfer. It means out of port limit. And uh, the sister was passing by Limassol. We drove to Limassol with uh, with a few uh, caps from, from Ayanapa, and then we went for immigration and just um, yeah, met the ship on the open sea and, and entered the ship. And it was just in time because when, when um, our guy was driving back with a, with a tug, one of our guys didn't go on board. The police were already waiting. Oh, and wow. um, They were already waiting in Limassol. And if we would have delayed one hour, they would have just stopped us there. So it was really very, very hard to get on board. But finally we managed and then the whole mission could start. Wow, that's incredible. Because as I understood it, you guys were going to wait a few days and keep planning on how to board. And then suddenly I heard you were on the ship. I was like, what the heck? What happened? But it's good. That, that's the thing with this whole mission. It was always about doing it really quickly because there were so many people trying to stop. So much opposition and really powerful organizations and people. So what, in your opinion, were some of the greatest problems that you had to overcome during the mission in order for it to have been successful? Basically. Everything was a problem here because we had <laughs> yeah. a very enemy, yeah. And it was, it was more than hope not hate or these anti oh, organizations. Yeah. Because if an anti organization makes an article, normally the Egyptian police doesn't care at all. It was, mm -hmm. uh, they really had uh, government pressure in, in there to to uh, to um, prevent us from going on the ship, prevent us from getting water, fuel, getting the report, and then in the end, even prevent us from getting off the ship. So everything here was complicated. We had to create workarounds. We had to be creative and uh, innovative all the time. Uh, of course, it's also called, it costs us more money than expected. But I think the biggest problem here was that um, the, the problem of communication. So basically, we wanted to get an, a satellite on board that we could um, put with a very slow speed, with at least tweet and upload images. But um, um, we couldn't uh, get into the port in, in Suez. In, uh, it didn't work in Cyprus, and then Crete, so we were not able to get this on board. And so from time to time, they were just cut off for a few days. Yeah. And it relied on a shore team and also on the people on the coast to, to just trust in us and don't believe the mainstream media with all the lies they spread about the mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and this was concerning, I think, because had there been an emergency, I mean, it would have been difficult to, to make it known. Or I, I remember the, the one section of the mission where the mainstream media was saying that you had been saved by a pro-refugee boat. 
uh, and because you were encountering difficulties with the ship, but this is a lie. You guys fixed it on your own, that they were all of them. Like I saw dozens and, and it wasn't just in one day. They kept doing it over days and days and days and they just wouldn't stop talking about this and it was completely fake. But these are the kinds of things that were probably really hard to fight because you didn't have connections. And also, of course, it was clear that the, the, the mainstream media was, was completely against us, wanted to oh, distort yeah. every way and, uh, and to, to create this, this story. What really happened was that we, we, um, we had to pump out the fuel because the fuel we got was water inside. And um, yeah. so why and how, but basically, and then we had to stop the engine for a time. And as, um, uh, as it's law, maritime law, when you stop your engine and kind of maneuver for a time, you have to make it known to the ships around. And we had to do this yeah. because the ship wanted us to. And, and basically the NGO used this opportunity to pass by and offer us their help while we were not at all in any kind of distress situation and just where we are pumping out this, uh, this water of our engine. It was just just another trick and an attempt to, to what they really tried. They wanted to destroy the mission. They wanted to, yeah. to humiliate us. They wanted us to abort it and to go home. To set an example to the whole world, and to all the patriots in the Western world, that this is a territory they mustn't enter. They can stay at home, they can do, uh, do posts and protests, but this kind of playground is uh, is forbidden for us and is, is restricted to the, to these leftist NGO organizations. They really didn't want us to go there. And for us, it was the most important thing that we didn't give in, that we created solutions all the time and found workarounds. And also in the end, we are able to achieve a goal. We are able to go there and from the Libyan coast mm -hmm. and to actually create an effect, actually change something. Yeah, you guys had backup plans for your backup plans. I saw this firsthand. There was always something, but you were really good at it. You all adapted and just planned something else quickly and tried it. Yeah, it was amazing. So does the Defend Europe crew consider the mission a success? And if so, why? Yeah, for us, it was a success in three ways because very soon it turned out that, that um, we had we had opponents who really wanted to initially become a failure and used everything they could and everything they, 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 they can to, to sabotage it and to destroy it. So everything that happened from Suez to Cyprus to this, to this, um, to this motor damage was never our fault. It's always uh, and, um, something from the outside who, who tried to, to, to sabotage or destroy us like, like in Cyprus most times. So it was basically never a mistake of us. Every time they refused support, we found a workaround. And this is for people who've never been on the sea. I think it was a very, very good thing that we never gave in and we always kept, uh, kept going on. And then we also actually put pressure on the NGOs while we were there. So while we were there and following the Aquarius, uh, it was very interesting. The Aquarius wasn't uh, partaking in any human trafficking activity, but mm -hmm. even if went to the SAR zone, and I think the reason for this is very obvious. The, the Juventus, the ship, was chained and arrested before because the authorities have proven that they were actually saving people, but human traffickers were bringing migrant boats to them and they just took the migrants on board. And if the Aquarius would have done the same and we would have been there to, to videotape it, to record it, to prove it, they would have just followed the fate of the Juventus. So I think basically they didn't want to take the risk to do anything while we were there. And while we were following them, they weren't doing anything, they lost all the appetite in, in, in saving people, although it was the best human trafficking weather and people were on the coast and shore. Yeah. That's really why we were there. It was very annoying for them. We were following them all the time, like a shadow, recording every radio call, and really showed that this kind of um, overwatching them and surveillance is, is, is hindering them and uh, this is a real problem for them. And the other level, how our pressure works, was a political level, a less visible level. And we have a proof for that from the Austrian Minister of Interior, 
Wolfgang Sobotka, and he said he's one of the main opponents, and, and those guys were pushing for an Australian no-way policy. And he basically used our mission as a pretext. He said, now it's getting even more urgent, more important to, to close the Mediterranean, the, the, the Med route, because um, right-wing people are using this, and we mustn't leave this up to them. We need to act. And as I've heard from many sources, our ship become a, became a huge political issue that was used by a lot of right-wing politicians in the whole process in the last month to, to, to fasten up and speed up the, the protest. And this was basically our plan from the beginning. We wanted to create a kind of escalation, a kind of a problem there that would give politicians the, uh, the possibility to speed up the process. Basically, the argumentation was and is, now we have left-wing NGOs there, right-wing NGOs, it's getting chaotic there, stop it completely, we now need a political solution. So this kind of uh, kind of activism, this kind of symbolic acting instead of governments while they're doing nothing is forcing them and pressuring them to act. And I'm also sure if we would have done this one year before in the, uh, in the crisis of this Balkan route, the immigration crisis, really going to the borders, making, uh, making patrolling there, creating fences there, even blocking streets and routes and creating as much a controlled and non-violent violent escalation as possible, we could have also speed and fasten up the process of closing the closing the, the Balkan route. And this time we just didn't want to wait. We just didn't want to hope for the politicians to act. We wanted to pressure them, we wanted to push them. And that's exactly what we did with this mission. And I think it was very encouraging for a lot of people just in the sense that you guys showed it can be done. That your average Europeans, just activists who went out there and did the job of these NGOs, it was essentially what they're supposed to be doing, we were monitoring them. But so it was a really good example. And hopefully it seems like a lot of people now, like this has spurred something. It's like a domino effect. There are so many people in support of the Defend Europe mission now. And I can definitely see this, you guys having successful missions in the future and hopefully more ships because I'm sure it will be easier. But this kind of leads on to my, my next question. After the Defend Europe mission, you tried to port in Malta, but they banned the Sea Star from port there. So can you please talk about, like, go, go over this whole situation, what happened, why they banned you, and how have you eventually got home? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really glad. Uh, believe me, I'm really glad that I'm... I'm you know, because uh, chances yeah. um, are that I will still be locked on the ship now, because the mission ended just as we began. It, it really um, was was very very difficult because mm -hmm. they didn't want to let the ship into Malta. They didn't want a crew vessel to come out to get us into Malta, and they also intercepted and stopped every vessel that was supporting us with water, fuel, or food. So basically, while they were taking illegal immigrants in, they were using European citizens to get back to Europe. Complete crazy situation. Malta has opened its borders for all illegal immigration first and, and foremost open, closed its border for the first time and it closed the border for, for uh, European citizens who had done nothing wrong. Very revealing, very demasking, but uh, uh, nevertheless we had to get off board. So we tried uh, to get uh, into kind of a political game with Malta, pressuring them, we are we activating our embassies, and we gave, gave some kind, kind of a deadline. Yeah? Mm. Because they, they, they gave in before and, offer, and gave us water, but asked us not to tell to the media, so they didn't want to lose their face in, in front of the yeah. media. We agreed, and we kept silent, but we wanted to push them to get, to get us off ship legally, to let one of our crew vessels out. We gave them a deadline until Saturday noon, and um, as they didn't, uh, didn't react and didn't, didn't um, um, act fast enough, we found another way to get off board. And the funny thing is that... Um, yeah, basically, we, we left we, we, we left with a very, very nice trick and charade we played uh, for Joseph Musk, the Prime Minister of Malta, 
So while we were actually already off board, uh, going to the airport and left Malta without any one of them noticing, mm -hmm. we acted as if we were still on board and uh, threatening them that we now will go, we're coming to Malta. And we're already out of Malta. We're posting all these images, these pictures in Malta, yeah. approaching the port of Malta. So the whole city was, was in turmoil, looking for us, searching for us, but we're already, already home. Yeah. So nice. It was crazy because, so the the mission ended, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, they're all safe. They, they're going home. And then it was like, oh, by the way, we, we're banned. We, we can't get off. And nowhere would let you port. You tried in Italy, they refused as well. And so it was basically like, we could be on here for months. You guys were only on there for a week, which is great. I know that it was still hard, but it's a good thing it wasn't any longer. But it really is telling that they were trying to keep out European citizens on the pretext that you were racists that we're operating a ship of hate. Like this is the ship. dumbest thing I've ever heard. And, and they were so adamant about not letting you in because also, of this. You know, the headline, sink the ship of hate. You yeah. know, it's like such a hateful headline against the, against the ship of hate. <laughs> it's, I think it's very revealing that those people are lacking uh, any empathy and any, any humanity when it comes to somebody yeah. who doesn't agree with them. Absolutely. While they're, while they're like really, you know, the, the, the caring for every migrant, those people on board and, our, and us, we they didn't really didn't care about us at all. And um, we could have gone from board even earlier, but we really wanted to, to stick to the rules. We wanted to make it an illegal, normal process. We uh, wanted to stick to the rules till the very end. But in the end, basically by breaking the law, because Malta broke the law in those cases, yeah, it forced us to find a workaround. Um, but uh, at the moment, still a ship, uh, the, the ship is still in front of Malta, and the, the onboard crew yeah, still cannot get home because oh Malta still the crew was really, really crazy, really, really messed up. And it also shows if they wanted to, they could end this whole NGO madness tomorrow. They just need to treat those NGO vessels like they did treat the Caesar, but um, they can do what they want, although they're doing illegal things. And uh, we were doing something completely legal, wanted to stop them, and they. Uh, tried to hinder us and sabotage us in every anyway, but still, in the end, it was, it was a success because during our mission, from the beginning, from the announcement, which already started this whole turmoil, this whole media attention situation changed completely. And now the NGOs, uh, the business is breaking down. Some of them had to sell their ships. Some of them are chained. Have given up. And basically, the, the Mediterranean route is uh, is uh, is not completely closed, but um, the number of migrants has dropped drastically. And since the last 20 days, nobody drowned here. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, it was great, personally, watching your video that you put out, the last one. It was like, today we will we will be on Maltese soil, you know, talking to Prime Minister Muscat. And then a, a, a spokesperson for him came out and was like, they'll be denied entry. They're, they're not coming on. We're going to make sure of it. And you guys were already out of Malta. You had already gotten flights. So it was just great how the whole thing worked, particularly you taking a photo with the Defend Europe banner in front of the the Prime Minister Muscat's bureau. So that was, it was great trolling. Sitting in Rome, drinking a coffee and posting one Twitter video after another, you know, and our ship is approaching the port of Valletta. Yeah? We, are, we are now entering entering the tourist harbor of Valletta and so on, you know. And uh, the videos were from yesterday, but the Maltese people thought they were, were alive, the government. They were searching everywhere for a ship and then they even yeah. called for controls of the airports to find us, although we already were out of Malta. Yeah? This was a, a present for Joseph. Yeah, I was so relieved because I mean, the, how far they were going, like denying you water for a while. What actually happened is a group of Maltese patriots 
who I was actually speaking with for a while, and they were keeping me informed of everything, they actually ended up breaking the embargo and delivering me water and food, which was so kind. It, these people, like there are wonderful people on Malta. They're not all like this. So uh, it was just great seeing that that courage that they had to, to really just step up and help you guys. So uh, yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, do you want to speak about how you eventually got off the Sea Star and onto Malta, or would you rather keep that a secret to SSA, safeguard identity, certain identities? We found a workaround. Yeah, yeah. but uh, officially, can say we tamed we tamed a few turtles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On the, on the shore, no, don't save us. Basically, we found we found a way um, to get to get into Malta, and also I want to take the opportunity to, to thank those Maltese patriots yeah. again because it was great how they broke this embargo, how they broke brought us the bottles there, yeah. and then in, and then we when we entered Malta, we called them, we met there, made this picture in front of the and the um, bureau of Charles Musk, and I can tell you now it's not over at all. <laughs> You're a nightmare with the Italians because yeah. with um, uh, mess you created, you've created um, protests, and I think that in many countries now, you're able to create chapters. What I'm going to do during the next month is basically traveling around, um, meeting people, uh, people from Scandinavia, from Scotland, England, all across Europe have written us because we've, we've created such a, such a media attention, and I think uh, we just now need to fuel all this potential and all this stuff into structures, into new groups, new movements, to get out of different Europe with a, with a boost of energy, numbers, and, and power. Amazing. And that's what I think that all of these media outlets and um, organizations and politicians would do well to learn is that the more they fight you guys, the harder you're going to fight back. That's the thing. They, they, there's no way from this mission observing that you guys get demoralized and say, oh, we're going to quit and give up. So it just it's like the Streisand effect, you know, trying to silence you and you just get louder and bigger and get more support. So it's awesome. So they should just leave you alone. You know, what, what else is said and done? So what would you do differently the next Defend Europe mission? Yeah, it's, uh, of course, we've learned a lot. Um, uh, basically, uh, we know now that, that we cannot rely on anything. We cannot yeah. trust any, any, anything. And um, nothing will work normally. Mm -hmm. That's basically we thought that, 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 that the, the basics of, of maritime laws and so on would, would be would be normal. We could go into a port, we could get water and fuel, but no, this won't work. So just, they're really uh, really doing everything. So we just need to prepare in advance um, uh, a chain of supply that is that is uh, that is uh, um, secret, that is not visible, that is a uh, bit unorthodox. Mm -hmm. We need we need to also. Uh, maybe a few more vessels. We've learned a lot about it, about it, but I don't want to want to uh, tell everything now. Yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we, uh, we learned a lot, um, a lot of stuff, and uh, we got a lot of experience out of it, and also many, many contacts. So the, the attempt to isolate us and to show to the whole right-wing patriotic community, uh -uh, don't go there. This is too much. Yeah, stick to your to your online stuff. Yeah. Um, basically uh, backfired completely because we now got a lot of contacts and people are very eager to do it again and go out again. Mm -hmm. And I can just say um, what we've learned is we are powerful, we are not powerless, mm -hmm. we can do stuff, we don't need them. Uh, we have the support of the silent majority. With the support, we are even even uh, able to withstand the pressure of the Open Society Foundations, of governments, um, of, uh, of, the, of the NGOs, of the mainstream media. The alternative media is also getting stronger. I think we are creating structures that are more powerful than them. And if they don't protect the borders, if they don't do anything, we will start doing it. So we are done with only protesting. We are done with only uh, pointing out what's going wrong. We are actually, uh, of course, always in a peaceful, non-violent, and legal way, uh, 
trying to do their job as long as they just uh, messing up and don't do it. Yeah, the, the government should be executing duties to keep their country safe to the best of their ability. And if they're not, then the citizens should keep them in check. You know, normally it would it, it should work where the government just does it, but since they're not, this is what's necessary and it's what it's come to. And as you've said before, everything you did was legal. So the controversy surrounding this is absolutely ludicrous. But for those who wanna support the future Defend Europe missions or possibly even get involved in some way of, of supporting them, like being there, um, helping either online or whatever. What's your advice to, to these people who are interested in contributing in the future? Yeah, well, the, the crowdfunding for the first operation will end within a few days because it's, it's over now. We're doing a debriefing and we are now preparing a, a comprehensive documentation about the mission that will come out in the form of a movie and a film where we set the whole, whole uh, record straight and tell everything what happened, document everything they did so people really can, can, can keep track of this yeah, very, very um, intense and big adventure. And of course, if somebody still wants to donate, there are a few days left. And um, if you want to get part of this, just write to, the, write to your section of generation identity in your country. And if there's none, you can, you can just contact us and you can change this. Uh, we want to, we will come out soon with future plans. We already have something planned. But of course, we'll now see how the situation develops in front of the Libyan coast. If the, another route or another hotspot um, has been created, and then we'll react, but we'll definitely uh, continue our fight and do as long as people support us, as long as people want us to go out uh, there, we will do it. And lastly, I'm, I'm curious about your, your personal experience on the mission. Was it what you expected? Would you do it again? Uh, just can you talk a little bit about what you personally went through and maybe what you learned, how it affected you? Yeah. Um, it changed me, um, at least from the outside. I'm, I'm now much more uh, brown. Tan, yeah. <laughs> I've never been so tanned in my whole life. Yeah, yeah I noticed. I also, I, I'm not kind of sailor's guy. You know, I come from the Alps in Austria. We don't have my, have, have, a, have, a, have an access to the sea. Um, I basically, I was never fond of seeing, uh, but um, I think at, at the moment I'm old, I also got immune to seasickness. But apart from this, um, everybody who was on the mission, we really learned to deal with very stressful situations. Mm -hmm. Basically, warfare always on razor's edge of completely being destroyed in front of and uh, watched by the whole world. So I think we were able to to overcome so many problems and so many difficulties that it gives us a lot of self confidence. My self confidence has grown as a movement, as activists, but also our goals are, are growing now. Because after this, of course, we want to keep this level. We want to keep this up, and we we now see what we're capable of um, with the support. And that and that I think that's how it changed. Does it? completely uh, changed basically the, the yeah the scale and the and the idea of activism for the for, for generation identity great so I know you you've reached so many people encouraged so many people with this and so I'm really excited to to see what you guys do in the future that with the future missions and just generation identity in general but thank you so much Martin for your time I know it's very late there and you've been doing a billion interviews for this so I appreciate you giving one to me so where's the best place for people to find you online? Uh, just defend-europe.net, that's the most important thing here, can, you can find all the information about the mission, you can contact us, and also on Facebook, Twitter, you can, you can, um, can keep, uh, get all the updates about, about the Defend Europe mission, and also on YouTube, we have a Defend Europe channel that will upload all the videos, and you can find all the videos that have been uploaded until now.
Okay, great. And I will link all those below so it's easy for people to find. Thank you so much to everyone for watching. I hope you enjoyed. I know a lot of people have been waiting for this for a while. And thank you once again, Martin. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much also for, for you know, coming with us, uh, coming <laughs> even to Cyprus, although it was also already a bit dangerous there and supporting the whole mission through the whole time. Thank you very much. It's my absolute pleasure. I mean, I supported this initially before I even met any of you. And then meeting all of you just made me that much more supportive because I really saw that you were all serious about it. So if I could have done more, I would have, and I was very happy to help in any way that I could. It was an adventure, a great one that I certainly won't forget. So thank you as well. Thank you.